Let us sing of his love once again, of the love that can never decay, of the blood of the Lamb that was slain, till we praise him again in that day. And praise God, our theme and glory will be. It will be the song of Moses and the Lamb, the redemptive work of Christ. So let's sing this with all our hearts. I believe Jesus saves. One's a lovely hymn that says, Come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord, and He will surely give you rest. There's no rest in this old world, only turmoil, trouble, pain, and anguish. But praise God, the Saviour says, Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Let's sing this lovely hymn, sing our very best, and then after this, we'll have our opening hymn. Thank you. <clears throat>
That was good singing. Let's keep it up. We're going to commence our gospel mission proper by our singing our opening hymn. There is a story sweet to hear. I love to tell it to you. It fills my heart with hope and cheer. I trust that is the case tonight. The gospel for the child of God fills your heart with hope and cheer. As we say, there's so much in this whole world to discourage us, to cause us to be downcast. But when we contemplate upon all that we have in Christ, then we can say it fills my hope, my heart, with hope and cheer. We'll stand together while we make this our opening hymn. Let's keep up the good singing and let's sing our very best. Let's all stand and let's sing our very best this opening hymn. singer but you fill it so you're going to have an advantage so everybody on this side people on this side if you can just you remain silent for a moment and these good people will sing verse 3 it says he bore the cross for me <clears throat> sing the same verse, verse 3 it says, he bore the cross for me it says he bore the cross for me and suffered in my place that I from sin might ransom me and praise him for his
Let's unite our hearts together in prayer. I'm going to ask one of our elders, Brother Jonathan McCauley, if Jonathan would come and lead us to the throne of grace in prayer, please. Brother Jonathan. Let's all pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we give thee praise and thanks even for the privilege it is to be in this gospel mission tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the great access we have even into thy presence in prayer. And we thank you, Lord, even for the prayer time that has gone before this meeting. No God, souls have been prayed for. No God, we pray tonight, Lord, that you'll answer many of those prayers. We thank you, Lord, for the precious blood of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the cross work. We thank you, Lord, for that great love that reached down from heaven into a sin-cursed world and there, Lord, provided a way of salvation. No, Lord, we thank you tonight and this gospel mission that we've got great news to tell of the news that men and women and boys and girls, if they come to the foot of that old rugged cross and if they come in faith and repentance, then tonight they can be saved. No, Lord, we thank you for that love that you had, the love that drew salvation's plan and the grace that brought it down to man and the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. We pray, Lord, you'll be one in the midst tonight. You'll come and you'll pour your Holy Spirit even upon this meeting. We pray for every aspect of the meeting. We pray even for and their congregational singing, O oh Lord, the words of these great old hymns. O oh Lord, that they'll touch hearts and even those will be drawn those that hear, Lord, will be drawn unto the Saviour. We pray for Pastor Bowles as he comes to sing. We thank you for him. We thank you for the day and hour you saved him. Lord, even as he comes to minister in stone, we pray he'll speak to souls through his ministry. We pray for the Reverend Park. We thank you for him. We lift him up before thee again tonight. And we pray, Lord, you'll fill him with thy spirit. Lord, make it an easy meeting to preach and tonight. We pray, Lord, you'll uh, even be mouth, matter, and, and wisdom to him. And Lord, most of all, we pray for the, the hush of eternity to rest upon this meeting tonight. Come, Lord, and abide with us. Do us good, and we'll be careful to give thee all the praise, the honour, and the glory. For it's in thy name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jonathan. We're delighted tonight to have as our soloist, Pastor Philip Bowles from Kerry Baptist Church. Brother, it's a joy to have you with us. We bid you welcome in the Saviour's name, and you come minister to us in song, please. He's more than a story, more than a song. His love is gentle, yet it's so strong. His grace everlasting just won't let you go. His unending mercy And forever. 
sharing your gospel mission and I want to thank uh, those who invited me along to sing uh, for allowing me to be here. This is my third singing engagement in four nights. I don't usually get out anymore because I'm pastoring but it's good to be with you and it's my second night singing for the free peas. Isn't that amazing? I'll not tell you what other church it was in case they get into trouble but it's lovely to be with you tonight and I trust that you are blessed and enjoy even what we have to sing in song. Here's one more piece I just want to leave with you tonight. Had it not been for a place called Mount Calvary, then forever my soul would have been lost.
Just suppose God searched through heaven and couldn't find what willing to be. The supreme sacrifice that was needed that could buy eternal life for you and me had it not been for a place called Mount Calvary had it Philip, and we glad tonight for Calvary. It's not the wood of the cross, it's the work of the cross. It's not the sign of the cross, it's the Saviour who was on the cross. And praise God tonight for Calvary. Thank you, dear brother, for ministering song. He'll come and sing one more piece before Reverend Park preaches God's word. We bid you welcome in the Saviour's name to our Tuesday night meeting, and I'm particularly glad to welcome tonight Noah. Now, that's not the Noah who was in the ark because that would leave somebody in this meeting tonight almost 6,000 years of age. But my grandson is here for his first gospel meeting and we bid him welcome. And now he's going to start making noise. 
But we bid you all welcome, and we're delighted that you've all come, and we trust and pray that the Lord will bless each one of us as we meet around God's Word. Do remember the mission as it continues each night, 8pm, prayer meeting downstairs in the MacArthur Room at 7.30, and tomorrow night the soloist will be our brother, Mr. Jonathan Logan, and trust and pray he'll come along. And let's endeavour to do something, to bring one person with us. If we do that, we'll fill the town hall and we'll have to bring in more chairs. But it's not about numbers, but it is about us using this this opportunity to reach those that know not Christ with the gospel. So let's endeavour to do that. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow night. Continue to pray and continue to bring the mission before the Lord at the throne of grace. We're going to sing together the words of hymn 215 before Philip comes to bring another message and song and then Reverend Park comes and preaches God's word. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. We're going to Calvary again because, praise God, mercy there was great and grace was free.
Brother Philip will minister in song, and then the Reverend Park will come and preach God's word. Oh 
to heaven to be able to sing like that so uh, pastor thank you for coming tonight anyone that speaks about our guilt and elevates the sacrifice of Christ uh, it's always a tremendous thing to hear and we trust that as we set before you night by night the cross that you will be spoken to it's the way of the cross that leads home there's no other way of salvation but the cross of Jesus Christ want to give my own words of welcome to each one tonight, we're glad to see you on this Tuesday night. And as Mervyn said, come tomorrow night and do something. Bring others with you. I've already given my invitation out there a short time ago. <coughs> Just now down below, there's a group of ladies. And they are in, a, I don't know what it is, a sewing class. Some of them are sewing and some of them are doing other things. And last night there was a group in and they were doing just the same. So, so I knocked the door and went in. And I said, are you the same group that was here last night? They said, no, we're a different group. And uh, they said they could hear the music upstairs because just down below there. And I said, well, I hope that is a blessing to you. And let me just invite you to the mission. It's on for two weeks. And it'd be lovely to see you any night through the week at eight o'clock. Uh, so there was a woman, she was listening to the singing. And I, I pointed at her and I said, singer. Yeah, she was at a sewing machine, and she says, no, 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 I'm, I'm not a singer. I said, no, I mean the machine. As I said, it said, oh, it's a singer, but she realized what I meant, and I think you do as well. Lovely to have Noah, and to see Noah coming in there tonight, uh, or I saw him as I came in tonight, and we just again congratulate Ryan and Lydia on the new addition to their family. Not very old, but he's here uh, for the first time in a gospel meeting. And that's a great encouragement to us all. <clears throat> We're opening the scriptures tonight to the Gospel of Mark and the chapter 14. <coughs> when you divided the congregation up tonight, Mervyn, you had the left and the, the right singing, and you said that there was an advantage here with, with Philip, and that, of course, was true. But then I looked over here, and we have the Word of Truth singers, and we have choir singers, and we have Eamon, and we have so many over there, so many advantages. And uh, I, I just couldn't tell who did the best tonight. I think it was, it was equal. It was a draw. It was good to hear you sing. Just two verses that I want to read <clears throat> at the mission at this moment in time. As I said the other night, 
I don't want to stray very far from the cross of Christ. In fact, over the two weeks, we will be looking at really one day, one day, and those individuals that center in and around the time when Jesus Christ was put to death. And we have looked at Peter last night. We looked at Judas Iscariot on the Lord's Day. And I want to read these two verses. We're going to speak tonight on the young man without a name. And there is a young man that we read about in these two verses of Scripture, but his name is not given. We don't know who he was. Verses 51 and 52 of Mark chapter 14. And there followed him a certain young man, having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young man laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth. And fled from them naked. We'll just end the reading there. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Father, as we come again to the preaching of your word, we rejoice in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that we have been directed already to consider the sacrifice that was made. And we readily say that we are the guilty ones. We are the sinners. We deserve to die. But we bless thee there was one who came. And he took our place and he died in our stead and he paid the the sacrifice in full. We thank thee for Christ Jesus, the Lord. And as we consider your word tonight, speak to us, speak to those that are gathered in this room and others that are tuning in on the internet tonight. And we pray for the work of the Spirit. We recognize afresh that without thee we can do nothing Unless the Spirit of God comes and there's, there's power in the pulpit and power in the pew, then nothing will be accomplished. So tonight we're depending absolutely upon the Lord and the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit to speak through this weak earthen vessel to those that are gathered in. Lord, we know that we are a dying man speaking to dying men and women. And therefore, as we set before them those matters that are spiritual and eternal May there be, as it has been prayed for already tonight, that hush of eternity that will come across this gathering, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The young man without a name. Now, of course, he had a name, but the gospel writer here does not mention it. It's not given by him. So he is nameless, a certain young man. That's all We know about his identity. The question has often been asked, who was this certain young man mentioned in these two verses of scripture? Mark is the only evangelist who relates this circumstance, but he gives us no idea as to who this young man was or why this incident is even mentioned in the first place. Some scholars have speculated as to his identity. Some have suggested that he was one of the twelve disciples. Possibly he was James, the son of Alphaeus, or he was John, the beloved disciple, who was the youngest of the apostles. But this is impossible. Nor could it be any of the other twelve, because it is said immediately before this passage of scripture, they all forsook him and fled when the Savior was arrested in the garden and they began to lead him away. These men of the inner circle deserted him, 
all of them, without exception. So it is not any of the 12 disciples. Someone else, in fact, many others have suggested that it was John Mark, the author of this gospel who became a missionary companion of Paul and Barnabas. But again, that is only conjecture. It is speculation. Some have even suggested that this young man was a guardian angel and had now to leave Jesus Christ so that the will of God might be done. I think that's a a very far-fetched idea. If we were to know his name and possess this information, then the Holy Spirit would have informed us and told us Good enough for us to know that it's not the mind and the will of God that we know his identity. And that's not really important anyhow. Having said that, he is representative of many a young man and many a young woman who sets out at some stage in life's journey to follow Christ or at least take an interest in the Savior for a little while. But then when danger and opposition comes, flees away and fails to lay hold upon the Lord for salvation. So who was this young man? Where did he come from? The simple answer to this inquiry is we do not know. It is likely that he was a young person who lived near the Garden of Gethsemane. And in that unearthly hour, was awakened out of his sleep by the the clamoring of the crowd outside. And he rose up quickly out of his bed just to see what was happening. And he left his house and he followed Jesus and the mob simply out of curiosity to see what was going on. There is no hint that he was a disciple of Christ in any shape or form. He probably knew about the Lord Everybody in Jerusalem knew about Jesus Christ. Remember, the ministry of our Lord is now over. For three and a half years, his fame has spread abroad in every town and village and city. And not least here in Jerusalem, they knew certainly about the Lord Jesus Christ. It is very likely that this young man had listened with delight to the Lord Jesus Christ preaching in the temple and in the streets of his city. For we are told that he followed him. He didn't follow the crowd. He didn't follow the mob. It distinctly tells us that when this young man arose and came out into the streets, he followed Christ. And I want to look at the information that is given in this short history by divine inspiration. And though we do not know his name, we are to know the few details which are recorded about him. And we are to be instructed God has never given one word in vain. He never tells us anything in the scriptures in vain. And so this little account written by the Holy Spirit of God is given for our learning. And I want you to learn some things from this passage of scripture this evening. I want you to learn, first of all, the uh, procession that he joined. The procession that he joined. Look at verse 51. There followed him... A certain young man having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. It's very, very early in the morning. The Savior has been in the agony of prayer in Gethsemane, where Dr. Luke tells us that he sweat 
great drops of blood falling down to the ground, his soul being exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Judas and the mob have come to that garden. Judas gives him the kiss of betrayal and Jesus Christ is led away. The Savior is betrayed into wicked hands. All the disciples, without exception, they flee. Jesus is being led to the palace of the high priest by the crowd who took him in the garden. As this noisy and tumultuous procession through the streets of Jerusalem takes place in the early hours of the morning, we are informed about a young man who comes out onto the streets and he begins to follow the Savior. It seems that he was rudely awakened out of his sleep that morning by the uproar in the streets outside his home. Such a multitude, so armed with their swords and their staves, coming with so much clamor in the dead of the night through a place that was normally quiet, tranquil and peaceful, could not but produce a great stir and make a great rumpus. So this young man is awakened. And no doubt he is alarmed by the uproar outside his home. And out of curiosity, he felt compelled to leave his bed just simply to see what was going on. And so he, he threw a sheet around his naked body, not even taking time to dress himself. And he ran into the moonlit streets to learn the cause of this disturbance. He caught up with the group of officers and he saw that they had a prisoner in their midst, a prisoner that he recognized, Jesus of Nazareth. And so he joined the procession. He followed Christ. He wanted to see what was going on. Perhaps he wanted to catch what words the Savior might say or what the Lord at this moment in his life might do or what they might do to him. And so he follows along that day in the crowd. Is it not true that many a time an interest and a curiosity of those around us is aroused regarding the person and the work of Jesus Christ? There's a commotion. There's a stirring. There's the excitement of one's curiosity. Maybe during a gospel mission like this. You know, when we think of all the preparation that went into this and it was scuppered a little bit, but... Uh, people may be wondering, well, those free Presbyterians that sent out 11,000 invitations by the post into all the homes in the BT-53 area. And they've organized this mission in the town hall. And they're seeking to get people to come in. And, you know, even the very fact that this mission is happening and that the banner is outside there announcing the mission and everybody that comes through the town is able to see it if they look up, is creating a bit of a stare and a bit of a commotion. Maybe not to the same extent as it was back in 1948 when Nicholson came to town and the people came flooding in. But still there's a stirring in the hearts of the people. Maybe it's a family night and a special testimony takes place. Somebody that's been an alcoholic or a drug addict or has been involved in the paramilitaries or who has had some kind of, of difficult or unsavory past. And it creates a commotion and people come in to see what is happening. They come in to hear that testimony. Maybe that stare is caused through a pandemic. You know, at the beginning of COVID, there was so much fear throughout the world. So much fear in the hearts of the people. 
And there were those for a time at least were stirred in their heart about the things of God. And they began to think about eternity and they began to think about where they they themselves would be in the great eternity because of the pandemic that was worldwide. Or maybe it's even the war in Ukraine and we see uh, Putin at his antics again and the bombing. And it's just terrible what we're watching on the television and, and in the media. And we feel for our Ukrainian friends who who have come to seek a refuge in our country. But even war creates a stir and causes people to think about Bible prophecy when the Lord Jesus said there shall be wars and rumors of wars and nation would rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And these things are happening in our day and generation. And so there is this commotion. It causes an interest. It stirs the heart. It challenges the conscience. A phrase like this, therefore, might well be written over many a young person or even an older person, for that matter. There followed him a certain young man or a certain young woman. You and I are often made spectators. It's a wonderful thing, you know, to be be brought near as this young man was brought near to Christ. As the message of the cross is told, The sufferings of the Savior expounded. And we think of the the many sufferings that he endured throughout his entire lifetime, but especially now at the end as he goes to the cross to, to die in the sinner's stead. We think of Gethsemane. We think of where the Lord has just come from. And that bloody sweat that fell to the ground as the Lord agonized in prayer. As Paul describes him as the man of strong crying and tears. That was a description of the Savior's prayers in Gethsemane. We think of all that would take place at the palace of Caiaphas, the high priest. And how the Lord would be mocked and scorned. And how they would buffet him. We think of Pilate's judgment hall. And after the trial, the scourging that took place. When the Lord was whipped until he was unrecognizable. And we think of the cross itself when he was led outside the city walls to the place called Calvary and there he was crucified for our sin. All these sufferings are well recorded for us in the scripture and often preached upon by ministers of the gospel. And thus you get to hear about the great work that Jesus came to do. And in this sense you have been brought near to Christ the Saviour. In all his agony, in all his suffering and sorrow, indeed you could almost reach out and touch him as this young man could on this occasion. You've followed him. You've followed him in the preaching of the word as you've sat under the message of the gospel in gospel meetings or gospel missions. A suffering saviour, dying in agony, crucified for your sin. You have seen In gospel services. Oh that you would see Christ tonight. That you would in this sense. Follow out after him. And see him there. In his sufferings. Upon the cross of Calvary. The procession that this young man joined. Then I want you to notice secondly. The opposition. That he faced. The same verse. Verse 51. Tells us at the end. That that the young man. Laid hold on him. The young man probably 
the Roman soldiers who were called to assist in the arrest of Christ, they laid hold on him. Perhaps they were disappointed that they had not been able to arrest the disciples and they had allowed the disciples to escape out of their reach. And therefore they were determined to arrest somebody else. And why not this young man who had joined their procession that day? It may be that this young man was in conversation with the soldiers as they walked along in the procession, as they moved through the streets. And, and he showed some sympathy towards Jesus. And if he did that, no doubt it irritated the soldiers. And therefore they laid hold on him. They are going to arrest him. And they're going to bring him along as a prisoner as well as Christ. I think it's true to say that whenever any person comes near to the Savior, shows an interest in him, follows him even out of curiosity, wants to know more, wants to learn more, the devil's agents will rise up to oppose that work. It will not be long before the devil and his imps will hinder such things. It will not be the first time that a young person has attended a mission like this and sat beneath the sound of the word of God and heard the gospel. But those around him have risen in opposition to stop any kind of interest that he's had in the things of God. Or someone has, has stopped to listen to an open-air meeting out there in the street. And maybe again, the friends that, that he's with will urge him, just come on, don't be stopping to listen to the word of God. Or maybe they've sat troubled in a gospel service. Or they've been anxious about their soul. And they've shared that with some friend or family member. And they have poured cold water upon it. And they've sought to take their mind away from such things. Any interest shown in the gospel... Any inclination to follow Christ, any hint of being concerned and perhaps near the kingdom of Christ will meet with the fiercest of antagonism. You can be certain that all hell will be let loose to stop the sinner reaching Christ. You better believe it. There's more than you and I in this meeting tonight. There's more than God the Holy Spirit in this meeting tonight. I want to tell you the devil's here. And the devil will be doing everything to stop you from becoming a Christian. Many years ago, there was a young woman who attended a mission that was held in a tent. And as the preaching of the word went forth, she was concerned and troubled in her heart. So much so that she began to weep. Her father came to the door of that tent, he looked in, he saw his daughter in such a state of, of tears, and he walked away in disgust, and he stayed up. The daughter came home later on that night, and the father was still up. She said, Father, you're, you're not in bed? He says, No. I've stayed up to give you your orders. I walked past that tent tonight, and I looked through the door, and I saw you in tears, and I saw you concerned. I want to tell you, if you become a Christian, I will disown you. You are to have nothing more to do with Christianity or Christ. The young woman in tears ran up to her bedroom. She got down beside her bed and she prayed, Oh God, 
Take away these feelings. Take away this concern. And the Lord did and took her at his word. Oh, I tell you, my friend, there's not a time that you will be concerned, but the devil will step in. He will use something. He will use someone to stop you from coming to Christ. Maybe tonight you're near the kingdom of Christ. You've come very close to the Savior. You have felt the strivings of the Spirit of God. You've been troubled in your heart. And God evidently has been speaking to you. And you knew what you ought to have done. But then you began to think about your wife. What will she say if I become a Christian? Because you know that she's antagonistic against the gospel. Or you began to think about your husband and likewise he's against the gospel. Or you thought about your girlfriend or some worldly companion or some uh, school friend or work mate. And you knew that they would be opposed to you if you became a Christian and you stumbled. Opposition or the thought of opposition has made you fearful and thus you didn't come to Christ. And thus tonight you're still in your sin and you're still on the road to a Christless eternity and you do not know Jesus as your Savior. Oh, look at this young man. Please learn from him tonight. Because I want you to see in verse 52 the decision that he took. It says that he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. The opposition scared him. Insomuch that he ran away. This young man would rather escape naked than be taken as one of the Lord's followers. He just wanted to get out of there. Get away. It seems strange that this incident would occur just here. It has no direct bearing on the story of Christ's arrest or his trial. It just appears, as it were, out of nowhere, out of the blue. We know nothing of this young man before this incident, and we know nothing about him hereafter. Could it be that the Holy Spirit moved Mark to write about this young man to remind us that there are still those who come near to Jesus Christ for whatever reason. And when there's, there's opposition, they run away. And they fail to get right with God and they fail to get saved. Why? Because their hearts are filled with fear. It's like the seed cast into the stony ground. I think that's, that's certainly pictured here. Let me read you the verses from the Sermon on the Mount. Or not the Sermon on the Mount, but Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower and the seed. Verses 5 and 6, speaking about the seed that was cast, Jesus said, Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprang up because they had no deepness of earth. When the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Now the Lord is approached by the disciples when he related this parable. They wanted to know what it meant. And this is the interpretation of this part of the parable, this seed that is sown into stony places. We have it in verse 20 and 21. But he that received the seed in the stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon, or immediately, with joy, receiveth it, Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. 
For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. And so we see that there are those individuals that show an interest and they even receive the word of God with joy. They even love to come to gospel meetings and gospel missions and and take their place and listen to the word of God. And they have this inclination towards Christ. And they maybe even make some kind of profession. But when the opposition comes, the sun of opposition arises. They are scorched and and they, they run away. It comes to nothing. And that's just like this young man before us. I wonder tonight, is there someone here and you're running? Just like this young man, you're running away from Christ. You've attended the meetings. Maybe you've attended many meetings in the past. You have heard God speak to your heart. You have come so close to Christ. Maybe so close to becoming a Christian yourself. And you have seen enough to touch your heart and to make you think, but alas, you're running. You're running away from God. Some are running because of fear, like this man. Some are running because they have no true love for Christ. Some are running because of the opposition of the crowd. Some are running because they don't want to give up their sin and the ways of the world. Some are running because of the, the, the attachments of this world. They are stronger than any attachment that they want with Jesus Christ. Think of the rich young ruler. You remember he came running to Christ. And he knelt before him. And he asked him about eternal life. What he must do. And when the Lord put his finger upon that. In which was in his life. That was preventing him from becoming a true Christian. And getting right with God. Namely his wealth and his riches. The young man wasn't prepared to do what Jesus told him to do. To sell what he had. To take up his cross. And to follow him. And he went away. Ran away. Is that you tonight? Are you running away from Christ? We never hear about this young man ever returning again to Christ. It's likely that he ran away never to return. That he continued throughout his life without Christ. And he died in his sin and he was lost forever. I would just say to you tonight, don't be like him. There's a warning here. In this little incident that is given by the gospel writer Mark that seems so out of place because it's nothing really to do with, as I've said, the arrest or the trial that was to follow, but it's just inserted here so that we might learn, don't be like him. You stop your running. You sit up and and you pay attention to Christ and his word. You consider your need and flee to Christ and come now and trust him. Don't get so close to Christ. And become interested in the things of God. And then only to turn away from him. As this young man did. Now I say to you as we close this meeting tonight. Oh be saved. His grace is free. Oh be saved. He died for thee. Stop your running. And come and seek the Lord. And do it now. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, you've given us instruction in your word about a young man. He he didn't have a name as far as the scripture record is concerned. And he came that night because of disturbance, the commotion in the streets. 
He came to see what was going on. He recognized in the crowd this person called Jesus and he began to follow. And it's not long before he turns on his heels because of opposition, because these soldiers lay hold upon him and he runs away. And Father, we know that that has happened so often with young men and young women and others too. They've come to meetings like this. They've attended gospel services. They've got so near to Christ. They've become interested. They would love to be saved and, and yet they've stopped short. Sometimes it's been the fear of man. Sometimes it's been opposition. What would their friends say? What would their family say? But they've run away. And Lord, they're still running away. Stop them in their tracks, we pray. Help them to sit up and pay attention to what the Lord is saying to their hearts. The Lord who loves them. The Lord who died for them. The Lord who was willing and able to save them if they but come. May they hear what the Savior is saying. And may they flee to him tonight. O God, hear our cry. We ask these things in Jesus' worthy and all precious name. Amen. Our closing hymn this evening is 232. If you had our hymn book, O sinner, the Savior is calling for thee. Long, long has he called thee in vain. He called thee when joy lent its crown to thy days. He called thee in sorrow and pain. O turn. That's what you need to do when God is calling. The Lord is merciful. We're living in the day of grace and opportunity. Oh, turn while the Savior in mercy is waiting. And steer for the harbor light. For how do you know but your soul may be drifting over the deadline tonight. Let's think of these words tonight, solemn words, as we sing them together. Rise to our feet as we sing.
God's patience may weary some day, and leave thy sad soul in the blast by willful resistance you've drifted away over the deadline at last. Oh, turn, and may you turn to Christ tonight. As we've said in past nights, and we say again tonight, you're concerned about your soul, your eternity, and we can help you. That's why we're here. This gospel mission has been convened, that the gospel might be preached, and the gospel is the good news. The good news is that you don't need to die in your sin, that there is a way, a way to God, a way from the dark paths of sin to Christ, and you need to come to him. And if we can help you, please stay behind, talk to us afterwards. Every Christian here in this meeting tonight is praying for you. And if you're with a Christian and you're maybe shy or whatever, you can say to them, listen, I would love to get saved tonight. Would you wait with me? And we'll talk to the preacher and we can go into the wee room and have a chat with you. But don't turn away from Christ tonight. Don't run away. You've run long enough. Heavenly Father, we leave the issues now of this meeting with thee. Thou art God, thou art in control, and we pray that there will be that drawing power of the Spirit of God that will bring men and women to the feet of the Saviour. Bring them tonight. Stop them, Lord, from their running. Arrest them just where they're standing now in their sin, and may they flee to Christ for Jesus' sake. Amen and amen.